0: Welcome back to another episode of The Zealous Podcast. I'm your host, Rocky Snyder. This week, I invite Frank Velasquez on the show. Uh, He is a fellow Perform Better presenter, and he's with the Allegheny Health Network in Pennsylvania. We're gonna talk about all things related to posture, realigning the body, and utilizing strength training to achieve that goal. Remember, subscribe and follow us on Instagram at Rocky underscore Snyder. Just click that subscribe button when you get a chance. Hope you enjoy.
1: Well, Frank, I really appreciate you taking your time out. You know, I was looking through the Perform Better events, and I was I was looking through Chicago, which is coming up in July, and, and I see your name next to the topic you're speaking of, and it just so resonated with me. I got to say, it's one of the, the few times where I've seen somebody talking about posture and program design when it comes to strength conditioning. So I, I had to reach out to you. And, and I like talking obviously to other perform better presenters because the, the knowledge level is just amazing. So I can't wait to dive into this. What first of all, you know, you've got your background with Pittsburgh Pirates and you were with a Texas Rangers organization, athletic training, strength conditioning. You know, you can go to your website, obviously, or or even your LinkedIn page and, and get the bio, but what what inspired that? Like what triggered your break away from a conventional strength conditioning routine to something that began focusing on posture?
2: You know, that's a good question, Rocky. Um, you know, I, I don't know if there, I guess, traditional strength conditioning routine or strength training routine is pushing and pulling iron, you know, and, and when I, when I got into baseball, Um, strength training was starting to become more popular. You know, I got in on the medical side. I was an athletic trainer, learned a ton about shoulder care and external rotation and internal rotation. When I got in a lot was focused on the rotator cuff. As we started to evolve as an industry, I'm talking about the mid nineties in arm care. We kind of got away from the rotator cuff and started going more proximal to the body. And we got into the scapula and the position of the scapula and its role in taking care of the rotator cuff. So we kind of, on, on the medical and the strength side, you know, we, we, we left all the Codman's exercises and manuals and rotator cuffs and tubing and, and dumbbell work for that little four set of muscles for the rotator cuff that center, you know, centralizes the humeral head and the shoulder um, and focused on posture and mid and lower traps, rhomboids. In a, in a ball player, here are your two scapula. Here's, it looks like left, but it's, it's the right. I guess let me go this way. You know, can you see? <laughs> I'm um, good. On, good a on a right-handed thrower, we see a lot of scapulas that are floated out here, okay? Uh-huh. So our goal is, is to get it back into a better position to secure the humerus, create more space, between the humeral head and acromion where the, where the rotator cuff sits and it allows the cuff to work better. Okay. Less friction, less inflammation, recover faster. Um, and there's, I mean, the rotator cuff is part of what generates velocity and throwing, but it's not everything, but in regards to recovery and, and there's small, small muscles. So that's what started me down this road. And then as, as strength training became more popular in, at, in baseball, especially at the professional levels, um, I like to lift weights and, and I, always, I always worked hard as a student athlete growing up. I, I went on and got my CSCS and I had the ATC to back it up and I had an opportunity to, I was in the same level for three years as a minor league athletic trainer. There was just no movement with the Rangers. Everyone stayed in place. But the strength side, the major league strength coach resigned, the the coordinator bumped up and they asked me if I wanted to take the coordinator's job. I'm like, no brainer, yeah, man, let's, let's roll. That took me from a minor league strength coach to a coordinator position, like a supervisory position, where instead of being with A ball all the time, I saw the rookie ball, low A, high A, double A, triple A, big leagues. I would rove, it was called a roving position. I would rove to all the levels, and make sure they were following the programs and and uh, you know I did that for three years with the Rangers until I got the job with the Pirates as a major league strength coach but a long answer to your question that's what got me started on the whole skeletal alignment is okay if if the, the if the shoulder care goes back to scapular positioning then what are we doing with the low backs hips and knees you know and for for me, what I've learned is pelvic positioning. I mean, just about every athlete on the planet or person has some level of anterior pelvic tilt. Now, if it's enough, you know, if it's excessive, then sometimes there's symptoms with that. Low back, medial knee, anterior hip pain. And um, I think as a society, you know, I know as a society, we're front-sided animals. We are front-sided animals. 99% of what we do throughout the day is in front of our body. Um, you know, women... Women, you know, put their bras on and and us men, we put our belts on and we don't do much back there. So all day long, we're getting this front side work in low level intensity. Of course, I'm talking driving, drinking your coffee, reaching for things. But then we go to the weight room, you know, and people want to continue to work this front side because they can see it. Pecs, biceps, abs, quads, they can see it and it's motivating and it just creates a bigger imbalance. So that's Uh,
1: interesting because... You know, you were still like not to dig into but just pause there. You, yeah. you went you went from the the conventional rotator cuff protocols and understanding of the four muscles, infra, supraspinatus, teres minor, subscapularis, that, that keep the girdle in check. But then you just went out to the scap, but still maintaining a kind of an isolated viewpoint. But somewhere along the way, you broke away. That's kind of my question. It's like, okay, well, if I'm looking at the rotator cuff, I need to be concerned with the scapula. Now, if I'm concerned with the scapula, how does that, what affects the scapula? Well, the spine. Okay. And then follow the spine down, then the pelvis. And eventually you get down all the way to the end of the body or you go up and you you go out the head or something. So I guess I'm wondering, did this just slowly kind of melt like a volcanic... Lava oozing down the the shield for you, like you're like oh I just got to start exploring all the chain, or did you just go after the step? Boom! It's all whole body integrative motion. I'm going to try and figure out what's going on.
2: Well, that's a, that's another great point because I skipped a part here. And while I was still in baseball, okay, when when we we saw issues with the elbow, okay, and we would treat the elbow, treat the elbow, and it'd get better, and then they'd get to throwing again, and the problem would come back. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, we got to go up the chain. So that elbow problem was because of a lack of internal rotation in the shoulder, maybe. Okay. Okay. So we're connected there. So we would have the same thing with the shoulder kid would come in posterior shoulder, anterior shoulder pain, whatever. And we would treat the shoulder, treat the shoulder, treat the shoulder, and it would go away and, and the guy would start throwing again and stuff would come back, you know, the, the inflammation. So then it's okay, well, we went down the chain And we got into the core and the landing, the, the, the landing side internal rotation. Like this guy has shoulder pain because he has lacking internal rotation on his left hip as a right-handed thrower. So that's when really it all started to make sense to me. Like, man, it's skeletal alignment. And I heard, I want to say it was either Vern Gambetta or Gray Cook. I think it was Gray that said, we are as practitioners, as therapists, strength coaches, athletic trainers. Personal trainers, what have you, we are all guilty at one point or another for building lean mass on dysfunctional bodies. So that reverts back to let's let's create, let's improve the skeletal alignment before I start building mass on this body. Otherwise, I'm just setting them up for a bigger bang somewhere down the road.
1: Yes. Okay. Then this leads into a lot of athletes' concerns that, okay, if that's my priority getting alignment does that mean i'm not going to lift
2: no not at all we train all the time we train with intensity but a lot of our focus is on the posterior chain you know with all that anterior activity we get now we squat and we lunge and but we do a lot of we do a lot of posterior chain rdls um one-legged rdls glute ham raises um, and then all the Uniped exercises under the sun, sled pushes, Bulgarian split squats, box step ups, reverse lunges, forward lunges. Um, we're very big Uniped trained. But so yeah, we train with intensity and we periodize our programs. But for every push, we do two pulls. So you know, my ball players, we don't do barbell bench press just because of the fixation of the, the hands on the, on the barbell. We're dumbbells, I have some freedom. And I can put that shoulder in a safe position, whether I'm doing neutral or I'm just have the ability to rotate counter quarter, rotate the arms as they go up where I can't do that on the barbell. But for every push, we do two pulls with all of our athletes. So that's dealing with anterior
1: posterior chain. But what about unilateral asymmetries? What if you've got the dominant arm versus the one that's just not quite as well i don't want to even say strong but the the pathways are not the same the recruitment <laughs> pattern the force production how do you address these asymmetries
2: unilateral work unilateral work but um we train everybody for symmetry now everybody has a dominant side they'll never be here no. but i don't want them here you know further I, I don't, away yeah so i want to try to get it closer this this non-dominant side stronger and if I can do that, that helps with the symmetry of the skeleton, and it it increases range of motion. You do know, if you I can, do you deal
1: with the biasness? Just
2: like you were saying, for every press, for every one press, I'll do
1: two pulls. So for every one set of on the dominant side, I'm going to
2: do two sets on the one no, that's not. No, 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 it, it's even, because most people don't work don't work on the non-dominant side. So whatever I can do there, it's going to bridge the gap. Unless there if if we have a rehabilitation case, then we will do sets just on that unilateral side. Um, but as a healthy athlete, I I keep it the same. I keep it the same volume and intensity, but it's gonna it's gonna help bridge the gap just based on that alone. And and we are working both ways, not just one way.
1: All right. So you're slipping it in without really telling them. That's kind of sneaky. I like that. But what about when you have somebody that say, let's just say they're doing some type of unilateral overhead press and they can handle uh, 50 pounds on one side, but Mm -hmm. only 30 on the other. Are we going to stay 30-30 on each side and let that, that weaker side develop equally? Or are you going to stay 50 on the dominant side, 30 on the side, and just let them get stronger at whatever rate they will?
2: I've never had that issue. I've never had somebody that, that, that has had that much asymmetry. Number one, if you're talking that particular exercise, we keep it medium to low intensity, anything overhead, unless we're push pressing. And that's when we're with the barbell. Okay. But dumbbell or kettlebell work, it is uh, it's medium to lower intensity just because we're very vulnerable in this position, unilateral. So I've never found that a kid could do 20K and, thir- you know, 14K on the opposite side. I just haven't had that. Um, but I would not, I would not, I would take that exercise out until I coach that non-dominant side up where we could do that weight, both sides. Cool.
1: Okay. And then I just I love geeking out with you here. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. About, you know, there's, there's a, a one leg that likes to be forward more often than the opposite. You know, we yep. are in a dominant fashion there, patterns emerge and so on. Do you like to disrupt that pattern and put the, the dominant leg back behind them rather than forward?
2: Nope, I, the body's to me, it's like an X. Dominant, dominant. Non-dominant, non-dominant. I keep it like that as much as I can. Now, some of my coaches will like to disrupt that and they'll do same side, same arm, you know, one-legged RDLs, yeah. uh, things like that, just because it's a little different variety. Um, but the body works like that for a reason, you know, the it's contralateral. So I train contralateral. That's me personally. That's my meth, our methodology, but I have, I will have some coaches and I'll, I'll ask them, I was like, do we want them doing that? Or, or he goes, no, 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 I need to, I need to fix that. They, they have that weight in the wrong hand. Um, but gotcha. no one's ever thrown a punch worth anything with right arm and right leg going forward. You know, it's that left leg forward, we cock it back and, you know, delivering the power through the core, that rotational power, that X, the Serape, you know, the serapi effect.
1: Yeah. That's that how we Mexican train. Mexican shawl. Exactly. Yes. So what when you started to explore posture, what were the mm-hmm. things that started to really become apparent to you? Like you couldn't help but see them.
2: Scapular winging, you know, when, when you see the scaps. And boom, it's popped up and like the shark fin, you know, that's yeah. part of our evaluation is, you know, I'll check abduction, I'll clear flexion, um, you know, internal, external rotation of the shoulder. I compare them bilateral. We usually, we see a lot of GERD, glenohumeral and tonal rotation deficit on that throwing side. Um, but then I get to the side of them and I, if I can grab underneath that scap and just about everybody I know is really overcompensating with the rubber traps You know that's where we carry stress. Most people have a forward head posture, they're rounded shoulder. Like, again, we're very front sided animals. You know, these things don't help, you know? Yeah, the these, phones, these, no. These phones. Um, so we'll do some work on a kid, whether it be in the therapy side or the strength side. And then I see them out in the lobby, you know, they're like this on their phones, head down, <laughs> forward. I'm like, listen, I just, we just got done doing all this with you. At least hold your phone up here, you know? look where your head is. I want your body to support your head and not these upper traps and sternal muscles in your neck. You know, they're not that big. Your head's about six pounds, seven pounds. Um, so what were we, what was your question? Um,
1: what were the things that really
2: popped out? Aside oh yeah. Yeah. winging. Were there
1: some other things, head protrusion or projection forward?
2: Yeah, yeah the, the, the scap winging, that's about every kid we see, just about every person. They're so dominant on the upper trap. Their mid and lower traps just aren't strong enough. So we start with simple, you know, simple retractions. Retract. When you retract, I don't want to see this. Your shoulders should actually get further from your ears when you retract. So with every pull that we do in the weight room, Rock, we retract. Set your scaps or pinch your scaps or retract your scaps. Um, yeah. Lap pull downs. retract, pull. Because I can do the exercises till the cows come home. But unless I'm retracting, I'm missing all those mid and lower traps.
1: Yeah, I've found it to be, I don't know about you, but i found the most success for bringing scapula back into a, a more adducted, more neutral location, reducing the winging, to actually drive the person when they're doing something like a pull down, to mm-hmm. actually encourage them to go into flexion so that the scap actually abduct further under load therefore mm-hmm. giving me that eccentric load of the tissue that it probably never really mm-hmm. experiences. And then that snaps in the stretch shortening reflex, and I get a healthier concentric contraction rather than just going from neutral and trying to have them drive back. Do you, do you go that full end of the spectrum? Do you, do you experience that flexion and that anterior tilt to the rib cage in order for them to drive back home?
2: With some of our exercises, we start in a protraction position and then go to the retraction. So you, we are getting the full range of yeah. some of the things that we do. You know, the more the the forward, the, the the cable row as opposed to the pull down. We'll do. You know, I want to see that protracted, rounded. Bring them back, pinch, and all the way back. So we're getting the full range of the muscle. One of my go-to's for most people because they fall into the categories <laughs> you've just described
1: is a unilateral lat pull where I have mm-hmm. the opposite leg forward. And I really encourage all of that nice rotation and yep. lengthening through the lat tissue down into that thoracolumbar fascia and get that glute on the opposite side, start to fire, you know, that whole sling effect. I imagine yes. you're probably doing the same thing with a lot of your throwers and, and athletes.
2: Yep, we'll do it with, with two feet down and then we'll, we'll add the glute into that by bringing that back leg up. And I wanna see that nice long lengthening and then the retract and pull on one leg through the core to the scap, you know, so it's 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 exercise integration. You know, I'm, we're really big into to bringing in as many muscles as we can with the exercises that we pick um, instead of like just a, a leg extension, hit, hitting the quad has its place in the game. But when we in regards to functionality and what these people do on the court or the field or the mat, I mean, we don't ever, we we never function isolating just one muscle. So yeah, we love those types of exercises.
1: All right. Now, strength training is not the one trick pony. It's not the overall solution. So when you see and you assess somebody's posture, which I'd love to dive deeper into in a moment, but when Mm. you have already assessed somebody's posture, what does that tell you about uh, their need for mobility, flexibility,
2: and soft tissue work? Usually that, that gives me an idea about their lack of mobility in some areas. Um, their, their flexibility, you know, I, I've trained all-stars in baseball at the major league level that couldn't touch their toes, but they were all-stars and they were Gold Glove Award winners. So, you know, we don't need to be Gumby, but we need to know how to play with the range we have. And we got to try to keep it from getting lesser Um, And if I can improve someone's pelvic alignment, okay, that may improve their their range of motion in their hip, whether it be touching their toes or internal rotation, just by realigning their pelvis, where I'm not stretching the muscle to get longer, but I'm going to allow the muscle to work at its full function when the joint's in a better place. I'm really glad you bring that up, because if we're just looking at the bony structure of the pelvis and we
1: have some right rotation you mm-hmm. already know most likely that that right hip's going to be in flexion internal rotation while the left hip meanwhile is going to be in extension external rotation mm-hmm. so as long as you can bring that bony unit of the pelvis back into more balanced state all the tissue is going to have to respond right you're not mm-hmm. going to be hunting down one particular muscle to strengthen or or stretch or or manipulate with soft tissue or anything else you just need some type of strategy to bring it back to center and i'm also glad that you brought the pelvis because that's the origin of movement right that's our right. that's the center of our wheel that's our hub it's our engine block can, right we can try and chase something up in the cervical spine or at the elbow but we might want to go back to center because it may be that just by centering that Everything else starts to change in its ability to move and, and the patterns of the, the kinematic sequence right up and down the chain. So yep. how do you do how do you do your posture assessment? What what is it? Is any special recipe or are we talking Colonel Sanders? Uh, oh um, no! I mean,
2: I, I I I think where my uniqueness comes in is is like I said we just work on opening up the anterior chain and strengthening the posterior chain. A lot of uniped work. Uh, rotational power if that's the sport we're working with and and keep people in their ranges we don't do one, one rep maxes we build from the inside out you know like you said that pelvis and it's not just the core it's the obturators and the multifidi and the transverse abdominis and some of those muscles that people know nothing about and we just got to know how to get them going you know diaphragmatic breathing and and uh, exercises like that that will help us build the core within the core but um, when I and, and another thing, you know, you asked about like, what are the things that stick out to you? Well, that winging and scap and then going down the chain is everybody's wired to stretch their hamstrings. If I ask hundred people to stretch rock, 95 of them are going to their hamstrings first. And, and people will say, well, my hamstrings are tight. They're tight. Oh, well, they're tight because you have an anterior your tilted pelvis and those hamstrings connect on the back side of your pelvis. And if your pelvis is tilted this way, your hip flexors are short and guess what's long we're stretching your hamstrings automatically and you're stretching them so it's, you're just contributing to the problem and that's way not just our athletes but practitioners i see tons of stretching hamstrings for low back pain because it makes them feel better but then they go away and it comes back yeah it's so, like cocaine yeah and yeah, in the, the short term
1: i think it sounds good but long-term problems you know right I'm, so
2: Let's, let's just refocus those efforts. Let's look, teach you how to stretch your quads and your, your hip flexors and your psoas. And let's do some strength work for that glute need and your hamstrings, which get very little work throughout the day as we grow older and we're not playing hoops anymore and doing lateral movement. We are very sagittal animals, you know? Um, and it fixes the problem. Like, oh my God, all my life, all my therapists and all my chiropractors and all of my doctors have told me to stretch my hamstrings, stretch my hamstrings. You're the first one ever that's told me not to and stretch my quads. So, well, yeah, do a yeah. foam roll. Well, d- does it hurt to foam roll your glutes and hamstrings? No, that's why people do it. Does it hurt to foam roll your, your foam roll your hip flexor quads and IT bands?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: because that's where stress is. That's where the stress I, is in the muscle.
1: I'm so glad you bring that up. And, and just the word tight, that's, that's one word that if we could remove that from a movement specialist vocabulary, Take that out because tight tells me nothing. When somebody tells, tells wow. me this is tight, well, is it tight because it's in a lengthened position like a rubber band being pulled right. apart? Or is it tight because it's shortened and doesn't know how to lengthen? Either way, right. you're going to feel this is tight. But right. without knowing where their structure is, we don't know, know how to fix this. It. Related? Yeah, you have no idea if you need to lengthen it or shorten it. You got to yeah. know what the posture is. So I'm so glad that you bring that up.
2: And I love our doctors and they're very good at what they do in the, in the, in the eval rooms and in the OR. But, you know, I think a lot of them are just, they're just trained to lengthen, lengthen, lengthen muscles that are already lengthened or on that stretch tension rubber band, you know, and we're just contributing to the issue. So getting back to your posture assessment, you know, I have the kids take their, you know, take their sweatshirts off or your hoodies and They stand and I look for shoulder depression and elevation first. That's the first thing I do. So they're looking at me, arms are down. And generally with our overhead athletes, you see a depressed shoulder because those muscles are longer from throwing. Um, So I'll note that. And then I get them in a profile position and I look at the position of their head, okay? And more times than not, it's a forward head posture. So we're gonna write that down, we need to correct that. And then the shoulders, are they rounded? rounded shoulders or are they sitting back? Most people are, you know, the tight pec miners, and again, very front-sided animals. So that's where I start the posture. And then we, uh, I do, you know, the, the forward flexion, we do side flexion, I do rotation for the lumbar spine, I do rotation for the thoracic spine, and then we get into the hips and I do internal rotation of the hips, prone and supine. Okay, prone tells me muscle tightness, supine 90-90 tells me structural blocking okay explain that explain when you're it. prone on the table the muscles the slack is off the muscle okay so that if it's tight that tells me it's it's muscular tightness now if i'm see if, if i'm prone or supine and i have the knee up at 90 um and they're tight that tells me structural tightness not muscular mm-hmm. so one oh, tells me you. bony one tells me soft tissue so we check internal, external rotation in both. Um, and I will do a standing uh, anterior tilt pelvis test. So I look at them in the profile. When I'm checking their forward head and their rounded shoulders, I have them lift up their shirt so I can see their belt line and more times than not. It's like this to some level. Most of my athletes are stronger on the front side and, and they have that gymnast butt and it looks like the sway back. And, but if it's excessive, we really work to correct it get them on an aggressive stretching program and a really aggressive posterior chain strength program, some correctives, things they can do at home with ankle bands and, and uh, just their own body weight in a foam roll. Yeah,
1: uh, that's pretty straightforward. I mean, I'm imagining Tom Myers anatomy trains overlaid into your movements, right? You've got forward and backward for the front and back lines, superficial and deep. You've got your lateral line and then you worked on the functional line or the spiral line, right, with your rotation. So you're, you're basically getting an understanding of, of the relationships of all these pathways and soft tissue. So are you also, just curious from my own perspective, are you also looking at like the joint speed, how when they rotate there's more rotation at the pelvis in one direction compared to the rib cage in the opposite. Are you looking at that? You're generally getting kind of like a a somewhat of an overview a blurred vision going, okay, that's just something to keep in the back of my head for later.
2: That's something we'll look at later. Like in the first few weeks of training with some of the drills that we pick for some of our younger athletes or wherever they are on the spectrum, we'll, we'll look at how they move dynamically and loaded. Um, But as far as for the evaluation day, I mean, we try to keep it to about an hour just for business sakes and, you know um, efficiency, but we will we'll look at some of those things and and rehuddle on the fly when we need to make adjustments. When we see these kids going through their programs and their move, some of their movement routines that we do, you know, uh, Spider Man walks and and Turkish get ups and things like that. That really, I mean, they they expose limitations and weaknesses more than what I can do in that evaluation. That gives me an idea of what to what the program. And then as we start to program, those exercises will will either be done correctly or really, ooh, okay. You know, now we know we really need to focus on this because this cat can't get up from the Turkish get up. I just go to that all the time because that works just about the entire kinetic chain. Um, that'll expose more to me. Tell me more.
1: That's great. So every movement is what you're saying is an assessment and every assessment's a movement and they just speed yeah. back and forth. It's It's a great way to yep. just kind of, follow the rabbit down the
2: hole in a way. Yep, there's a ton of corrections going on. And, and you know, we, we will do a, a one-legged uh, squat to really show us where the, the glute strength is, you know, dominant to non-dominant. This is part of the evaluation. Um, we will do a two-legged squat here also with arms up to see if they can get into a deep squat position, body weight, if they're shifting, if they can't get down into that position, if they break at the at the core, and we write all those down and, and, you know, that tells us more weaknesses and limitations
1: with, yeah. with the athlete. Now, as your role with Allegheny Health Network, that's, I've pronounced that right? Yes. Yeah. Where are, do you cover that full umbrella of the spectrum? Do you focus on the, in the athletes coming back, return to play? Are you dealing with the athletes that are past that and are ch- trying to achieve optimal performance? Where, where's your role in all that?
2: Me personally or my team? You personally. Me personally. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the ace in the hole. Like I put together performance teams that are made up of very good physical therapists, strength coaches, athletic trainers, recovery specialists. And I've written the foundation programs and the methodology and we train under that. Now all my coaches have strengths and I, I'm at, I, I want you to bring your strengths to the table. I'm not the smartest one in the room. These kids nowadays are very well-versed in VBT and BFR, and we know all that. We don't get too far from our basics, you know, push, pull, lift, carry, uh, you know, be able to get up from the ground, simple things. But we need to know how to do those things for our higher level clients because they want to do them. And they're, they've gone through the rigors and the steps and they're at that level where we need to train speed to the bar. So my role, sometimes I'll get a call from our our chair of orthopedics as Frank, this kid's coming down from the University of Buffalo. I looked at him today. Where are you? What facility are you at today? I'll tell him where I'm at. Okay, this kid's going to go see you before he goes back out of town. I want you to assess his throwing arm and we're going to get him on a program. You're going to write his program. We'll send him back. He'll come back in either two to four weeks and I'll communicate with the kid by a call, text, email. Um, and make sure he's doing all the right things. I have five of those that I see right now, um, that come from out of town, smaller colleges are not getting better. Um, so I, I, I check in on everybody rock, but I let my team do the work and I do, uh, program evaluations, uh, from time to time where I'm looking at programming, programming for people that I've done the, the evaluations on, and maybe they're eight weeks in, and, um, I'll talk to the coach, every coach that writes it has their name on the program. So I know who wrote it. And, uh, so that's kind of my job is to oversee the program and also to generate more business. I'm doing a lot of speaking my face is out in the communities, um, and talking to high schools, covering events, um, doctors, and I don't know, that's kind of, I guess what I do, um, we're getting into some industry. Now we go to factories and and corporations. We're talking to the office people and the people on the floor, construction workers. That's a whole nother area. I mean, that they need our help, you know, and and we're not asking them to stop smoking or eating what they like, or even go to the weight room and start, you know, jogging or lifting. These are things they can do at home with a little band rubber band and uh, some tubing and their own body weight and a foam roll. And, and uh, if it allows these guys to work longer and make more money with less pain, then they're all ears, man. You got them in the palm of your hand. Well, that kind of leads me into my
1: next question. I was wondering about tools. Now, of course, we've got our hands, we've got our ears, and we've got our mouth. So as coaches and guides, whatever you want to call ourselves, the, aside from those tools, the actual physical things in your facility, are yeah. there some like, uh, I would, I really want to have these in my toolbox more than anything else are are there some whether it's it's machinery or anything else what are your go-to things that you keep going okay it's the most common things i tell people to go to
2: yeah good question so i mean our, our facilities we're seeing the professionals elites down to the kids just getting started that middle school age kid uh bless you um to the, you know, the geriatric that is still running, golfing and maybe a master level swimmer or the geriatric that just wants to carry their grandbaby without back pain. You know, for all those people, foam roll, ankle bands, okay, the the, the bands that perform better cells. yep, Posture posture tubing, you know, just tube, I cut up, you know, I get it hundred rolls at a time and I cut up three foot slices. So we're doing some of our posture work with that. Um, you know, then, yeah, the the racks, the dumbbells, the kettlebells, I mean, people ask me if I could have one tool and that's it, what am I going to have? I'm picking the kettlebell. I can do conditioning with a kettlebell. I can do intense work with a kettlebell. I can do unilateral work with a kettlebell. Um, I can do movement and improve my movement with a kettlebell. So we're big on kettlebells, um, TRXs, uh, the racks, again, bumpers, iron, we have sleds, um, You know, we have some. We're we're very lucky. When I when I left baseball, I opened up my own shop, and I think I spent twenty six thousand dollars to get open on equipment. Had a couple racks and the basics. And now that I'm with a a hospital network, you know, I have an anti gravity treadmill. We have a Dynavision hand eye coordination reaction machine. We have uh, power plates and cryotherapy machine chambers and leg pumps and a lot of luxury items um, that people will come to us. And we'll get referred from doctors because we have these items. You know that's how we get some of our business, but those are luxuries. The necessities are kind of what I rattled off. that's nice it's it's
1: nice to have yeah. a very broad toolbox. Um, yeah. you know, we we're talking earlier about uh, issues in the tissue, so to speak, and and symptoms that will appear, whether it's in the elbow or the shoulder. And um, a while back, I had a teacher and I said uh, somebody came in with a shoulder problem. He's like, "Well, wait a minute. You know, from what I understand, the Japanese word for problem is the same word they use for opportunity. So rather than think of it that way, how about instead of looking at that shoulder problem?" as a shoulder solution. Like the brain is trying to figure out the best way to achieve whatever desired motion it's trying to do. And if it can't get around this issue, then it's going to try and do it a different way. And so that thing that you're feeling right now in that shoulder is actually the brain's ability to try and solve this problem. So um, it's just, it, it, it just kind of resonates with me with what you were saying about the elbow and you had to look somewhere else. You're always hunting down the problem the root right. source right that's that's essentially what you're doing with your clients is it not
2: yeah i mean i don't want to put a band-aid on it i want to fix it i want to i want to rebuild that part of the engine we we build high performance engines i say it all the time and i can't do that if the engine blocks cracked you know so we need to take strip you down and see i, I gotta look under the hood you know what are we dealing with um but i'm not big on you know there's a place for modalities and and ice and stem and and ultrasounds and making you feel good, but it's going to come back if I don't fix the root of the problem. And that's I think being a a movement specialist, a specialist with the body. And that's there's no really certification for that. That comes with an education, a couple of certifications, and about thirty years of experience.
0: You know, <laughs>
2: um, that's 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 uh, and. I guess, I don't know. Yeah. That's that's what we do. I would say
1: that's it. Now, curious, do you like do you like crossword puzzles or solving kind of riddles and things like that?
2: Oh, all the time. Sudoku, crosswords, yeah. Yeah, that, that works this.
1: A, yes. But we're doing the same thing in the body. That's the most remarkable thing. No wonder yeah. yeah that we like puzzles. We we like clues. And and when you see somebody move a certain way when they're doing the Turkish get up, you're like, "Well, there's a clue right there." and your attention is drawn to this one area that just there's something about it that isn't moving the way it should. Let's hunt that down. The next thing you know, oh, well, they, they, they twisted their knee skiing five years ago. And, and that's created this pattern right. so that it emerges when you're doing the Turkish getup and it had nothing to really do with the pain in the shoulder or the destabilization in this area,
2: but it reverts right. back to that. It's you're kind of peeling. cool stuff. Peeling back the layers of the onion, you know, and, and it, it tells its own story. Well, do you have any stories like that with
1: clients where you're going, okay, we we kind of followed it back, and it led to this. Like, do you have any that stick out of your head right now that you're working with an athlete, and it was something that was perplexing doctors and PTs or whatever, and then you found out about this that had occurred in the past, anything like that? <sighs>
2: Man, I, I I could tell you three of them that I did today if you wanted.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: you know, um, I was watching this girl run. She had a uh an ACL repair, and and there was a little bit of a, a scar tissue lesion that ended up forming because we didn't get extension fast enough. Um, so they had to go in again and clear out the clear out the scar tissue. Um so now she's able, she's finally to run in, and I was watching her run on the treadmill. And one of our young PTs, he's a West Virginia student, and he was having her on the treadmill. I said, hey, once you get her up to the speed you want, she's doing 60 on, 60 off. I said, come back here with me and let's let's look at how she looks from the backside, you know, running. Because he's right next to her on the treadmill. I said, come back here. So, you know, from the waist down, we're looking, okay, let's look at her heels. Are her heels coming up evenly? Yeah, okay. She's a little bit limited on this side because that's her surgical side, but it's not far. It looks pretty good. Let's look at her feet. How are her feet? And, to her, boom, pronate, pronate, pronate. I said, okay, how are we going to fix that? You know, we got to ask her, does she have inserts? Are they old? How old are her shoes? Let's look at her arc, her, her foot arches. You know, let's start looking at her feet and ankles. Why is she collapsing there? Um, and then we go up, we look at the the, the knee height, and we looked at, is, is each leg in its lane? You know, does she have crossover? She had a little bit of a crossover. I said, we got to look at her glutes. You know, we got to make sure her glutes are nice and strong to help keep that leg in its own lane. So we're not having crossover steps. And then now let look at her arms. You know, her legs are going north and south. Her arms are kind of side to side. You know, that's not, that's not, it's creating that unneeded tension or torsion on her knee. So let's get her upper body cleaned up. He goes, my God. I was like, yeah, dude, this is what we got to look at. You know, when, when we have a 15 year old kid, big body volleyball, female volleyball player that is um, coming off her second an acl and then a cleanup you know we have to clean this stuff up now it's not a structural problem the leg's solid the knee's solid she has full range now it's a muscular problem how we need to get her stronger in these areas to correct the alignment um so that's 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 one that happened today there was a kid i worked with years ago he's a college baseball player and he was a speed guy center fielder and um i knew the dad the dad was a high school coach he kept pulling his hamstrings, and um, so I talked about all what they did and he was doing the right things. I said, let me watch you run. And he just looked like a gazelle run. He had long strides, long, almost like he was overstriding. I said, John, I said, let's, let's, uh, let's do this again. This time, shorten your strides a little bit. And he was heel striking. And I'm so like, no one's ever corrected him on that. I said, let's shorten your stride a little bit. Let's focus on landing on the forefoot of your, your foot and less on the backside of your foot. So he did it. He goes, man, that feels really weird. It, it looks like I'm like, like tiptoeing, but it looks better. It looks better. Let's 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 do your running like this. And within a week, he was pain free. He went on and he played ex, you know, a couple extra years at Kent State, big program. Um, hamstring was behind, you know, just stuff like that. Movement. You look at the movement. If it doesn't look right, doesn't add up to you, then you make the corrections. And you try to, you know, you got to get the kid to, to be all in, to, to trust you and, and, and give it a chance, make a plan, execute the plan, trust the process.
1: I think stories like that are so powerful for, for people to listen and just go, okay, yeah, it's, it's not just that the hamstring woke up one day and said, hey, I've got a great idea. Let's just turn this kid's life into a living hell. It wasn't like that. There was something that made that happen. Or your, your volleyball athlete, there was a reason why that the ACL just started to misbehave or trying to do more work, shall we say, trying to solve the issue of something else not going on, like the, the ability of the pelvis to properly move in three-dimensional space or, or the opposition of the rib cage on top of the pelvis. You know, there's always reasons behind the cause and effect that's occurring. So, yeah, I, I think stories like that are really important to share
2: with people as we're doing it. We see a ton and we talked about the anterior tilted pelvis. So it goes, you know, down and then you have those ribs that are tight, that flare up. We call it the Pac-Man. So the ribs go this way, the pelvis goes that way. And our goal is to get them here. You know, let's loosen up the ribs, let's drop the ribs, teach them how to belly breathe, get that strong, that core stronger and uh, just stretch their fascia. You know, and, and, on the front side, loosen up those hip flexors and psoas and let everything fall back into the place where it's supposed to be. And then we can move forward. You know, it's not, it's not sexy and it doesn't have a lot of ump to it, but the stuff works, man. Well, know? that's
1: just it. You get the buy-in by the way they feel. It's, right. it, it, it's not sexy. It's not going to be throwing a whole bunch of weights around either. It's more right. subtle, but it's so right. much more powerful. You get yeah. them in a more centrated, more balanced place and performance just goes through the roof. Nope. That's it's yep. amazing.
2: Yep, so and, and go ahead. You're, you're oh, then and they can you teach them, and we, we talked about this before. We created video libraries and now they can really take their home program to the next level. Cause again, these kids all communicate. If I can get it on this, they're gonna follow it instead of giving them papers and killing trees. So we'll we'll email them the program in the videos of you know, sideline quad stretches and kneeling hip flexors and getting their glutes going. And, you know, the big exercise hamstring curls and bridges and stuff they can do at home to bridge the gap in between visits with us. We'll do the higher intensity stuff, but we want to do some of that cooler stuff sooner. You got to do this home stuff, this home program and get everything, make the changes faster.
1: Yeah. And for once we use the cell phone in a beneficial way. To, to improve yeah. their posture rather than degrade it uh, right so frank you're gonna be at the perform better training summit three days in chicago that is do you have the dates i know it's in Ju- july
2: yeah we were just looking at it um i want to say it's i think 15 16 17 i'm on sunday i think sunday. it's the 17th and and the title of your presentation shoot i don't even remember uh, <laughs> I think it's uh,
1: posture and strength training. I know that.
2: Yeah, it's 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 uh yes, strength training for skeletal alignment or something like that.
1: I'll put it in the description below the podcast so that we don't both look like we don't don't can't can't remember. (laughs) That's way too far ahead, Rock. I know, man. I know, (laughs) but that's going to be great. It'll be here before we know it, and uh, you got a lot of other really great speakers at that event.
2: You, and, you'll be there.
1: No, nah, oh, I'd love to. I'm going to be in Orlando. I'm, I'm oh, okay. in June kicking it off in Orlando, but I'll, I'll stand on the pulpit with you when it comes to posture and alignment. So we'll be, what's your, we'll be, what's
2: your talk on?
1: I'm working on, uh, I'm explaining the, the usage of small foam wedges under the surface of the foot to yeah. create better timing sequences, better, uh, better ground contact when doing loaded movements, when, for rehab as well as strength conditioning. So by changing the position of the foot, how can we create a better kin- kinematic sequence up the chain? And uh, and so that's uh, that should be fun. So we're gonna just explore uh, the different contact points and, and how we can affect the glutes just by putting something under the big toe or the heel. So yeah. that should be fun. Good but stuff. if people wanna know more about the Allegheny Health Network, obviously you guys have a website if people are in the Pennsylvania area or yeah. anywhere around, uh, what's the
2: best way to contact you? Uh, AHN slash Uh, that's our website. It's a very big company. The, the website isn't the best. They're always trying to, to, to create more efficiency because sometimes it's hard to find us, um, via the website, but the AHN Allegheny health network, AHN slash, sportsperformance.org or you can just email me at frank.Velasquez at ahn.org. Um or you can just google Frank Velazquez when you're in Pittsburgh and you'll find out where I'm at. There um, you I'm, go. And usually do you on post on
1: Instagram? Are you an Instagram follower or a post- you know
2: it's good question. I've just I was just talking about this today. I've always been a Facebook guy um because I think it shows my age but I I've I've <laughs> I've been gravitating more towards Twitter because there's a lot of good guys that I respect in the industry that are on Twitter. And it's a little more talking shop, like what we're doing, somebody will post something and I'll read and I'll, sometimes I'll comment um, stuff that I dig and stuff that I may have a different opinion on. And I dig it because it's, it's all professional. It's not, no one's slamming each other. So it's sometimes we agree to disagree, which is cool. Um, So I'm on those two more. I do have an Instagram account, um, but that's, that's how I communicate with my young, our young clients you know, through Instagram. And, and they, you know, that's, that's kind of their thing. And I don't do Twitter or Snapchat or anything like that. I gotcha.
1: Well, man, this has been fun. We're going to have to do this again. There's, there's no doubt yeah. about it. We got so much more to talk about, but um, I'm game,
2: man. I love talking shop. Right. On. Learn more about what, what you can teach me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the other way
0: around. And that's another wrap for the Zealous Podcast. Frank, I just want to say thank you, my friend, for coming on. I really enjoyed the conversation we had. And for the listening audience, be sure to check him out with the Allegheny Health Network, as well as Perform Better's Summit that's coming in July in Chicago. And you can't miss that. Three days of amazing information with some of the top presenters in the field. In the meantime, remember, subscribe and follow us along on social media. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, we're all there. Have a great week.